Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. x x Sentinel x now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush, presents The Green Hornet. the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure of Shipment for Korea. The Green Hornet strikes again. The adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by Orange Crush, the world's leading orange drink that tastes better naturally. Orange Crush is flavored with the juice of fresh, tree-ripened Valencia oranges. So naturally, it tastes better. Always keep delicious Orange Crush handy in your refrigerator. At your dealers, get the Orange Crush Handy Pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. Rick Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, assigned star reporter Ed Lowry to write a series of articles about the Valley Drug Company in West Farmington, 300 miles from the city. Lowry, tell the story of that one company, the wonderful work it's done with the so-called miracle drugs and antibiotics. Perhaps it'll give the public some idea of what Valley and similar organizations are doing to preserve life in this country and in Korea. I'll do my best, Chief, especially about Korea. Yes, but cover every phase of their work and its effects. Ed Gray, Valley's public relations chief, will give you all the assistance you need. Just write the story as you see it. What about pictures, Chief? Well, spend three days at the plant. I'll send Clicker Benny to West Farmington on the last day to take the pictures you sent up for her. Drive up there early tomorrow morning. Laurie, when he arrived at the public relation offices of Valley Drug Company next day, was greeted by an intense young man wearing dark shell-rimmed glasses. I was just leaving, Mr. Lowry, but I'm glad you finally arrived here. Mr. Gray is expecting you. I'm Glenn Damon, his new assistant. Oh, glad to meet you, Mr. Damon. Is Mr. Gray busy now? Uh, no, that's his office over there. Go right in. I'll see you later, Mr. Lowry. You bet. Thanks, Damon. Glenn Damon went from the office to a bungalow-type dwelling a few miles away. There in his home, he made a long-distance call to the city and finally was connected with a Mr. Mark Luzerne. Comrade, I've just learned that the shipment will be made three nights from now. About midnight as usual. It will include everything. No, you'd better send some of your men here for last-minute instructions. About ten o'clock at the same place, the Chinese restaurant on the Valley Road. Goodbye.
That evening, foreign agent Mark Luzerne met in secret with racketeers Sully Kilduff and Buck Grove. And my friends, the shipment will be made by truck from the Valley Drug Company to the airport in this city. There's a big market in Europe for this penicillin and streptomycin, huh? Oh, yes, yes, the biggest. And our agents sell them for the highest prices and get paid in American dollars. Oh, even you guys like those, huh? Now, look, I don't like hijacking stuff meant for soldiers. But, but a buck's a buck, Buck, and that's all we care about, eh? Yeah. Now, all we have to do is hijack the load, switch trucks, and get at the warehouse, eh? That is all, Mr. Grove. I shall arrange with the comrades to pick up the shipment there and transfer it out of this country. Oh, we have ways of doing that. But what about this guy I'm to meet in West Farmington? Oh, Comrade Damon, yes, yes, yes. Let me tell you. You will go to the Chinese restaurant on the Valley Road at 10 o'clock. Clicker Binney, the vivacious and charming girl photographer of the Daily Sentinel, arrived in West Farmington on the last day of Ed Lowry's assignment. She spent the day at the Valley Drug Plant, taking pictures to go with his story. It was late that night when she finished. She went to Lowry. Ed, before we leave town, let's have dinner. I'm famished. <laughs> the eternal female. Okay, baby, you potty your nose and I'll check out of this place. We'll eat on the way back to the city. Oh, Ed, I can't wait that long. I'll die of starvation. <laughs> no, you'll not. The place I have in mind is only a few miles out of town on the Valley Road. It's Chinese and the food's real good. You go along now and I'll meet you in Gray's office in half an hour. About an hour later, Lowry parked his car next to the Chinese restaurant. Here you go, Clicker. He and Clicker were crossing the parking lot as another car pulled out of line and headed for the road. The face of the man at the wheel was discernible for a moment, and Lowry waved in greeting. Hi there, Damon Hut. I guess that wasn't Damon. You mean that mouse I met in Gray's office today? Yeah. I thought for a minute he was driving that car. I must have been wrong. Well, Damon wears glasses. That man didn't wear any. Yeah, I know. Well, here we are. Entree, mademoiselle. Oh, thank you, Garcia. You're the most <coughs> Oh! Hey, why don't you watch me? Oh, sorry, lady. Didn't see you coming in. Oh, that's quite all right. You only broke a few ribs. You ought to keep your eyes open. Why, that big ape. Takes off without seeing if you're all right. Are you? Oh, sure. I was only kidding about being hurt. Well, let's go in and go to work on the egg roll. I'll run interference for you. Three hours after leaving West Farmington, Buck Grove turned his car off the valley road onto a narrow path that led into underbrush. He stopped and left his car about 50 feet from the road, carrying a flashlight as he walked. Five men stepped from behind a clump of bushes, Followed by Sully Kilduff, who spoke first. Buck, keep the light plate on the ground. Yeah, that's it. What's the score with the track? I left at midnight. It's on the road now, doing a straight 30. I passed it about 50 miles back. Be long in an hour or so. What'd this guy, Damon, tell you about it? Oh, we have to know. There's a driver and guard on the front seat and a guard inside the truck. Only three, eh? Well, we have seven. That'll be easy, eh, boys? Yeah. We'll work fast. That truck's back there among the trees, Buck. We take over the drug load, we'll bring it back here and put the stuff in our truck. Oh. Well, we better get ready then. Boys, you all have your gloves on, huh? Yeah. Do you have your false faces ready? Right. 
Then put them on. Here's one for you, Buck. Hey, clown's face, huh? What are you wearing, Sully? This. An old witch. Look at what Petey's wearing. <laughs> A monkey. It was after three o'clock in the morning when the white truck of the Valley Drug Company loomed into sight like some huge ghost. The crook's car lurched from the underbrush into the center of the road and stopped abruptly in the path of the larger vehicle. Three masked men leaped from the car, their flaming guns aimed at the driver and guard. The driver hit lost control of the truck and the guard's answering shots went wild. Then the hijacker's bullets reached their mark and the guard slumped from his seat beside the wounded driver. The truck crashed against a tree. The guard in the rear of the truck was thrown by the impact on, as he scrambled to regain his feet. The other masked men, led by Buck Grove, clambered into the truck through the tail door. The guard fired. Oh, he got me. Give it to him. As Buck Grove fell to the road dead, the men with him fired point blank at the guard. That takes care of him. Sully Kilduff came running from the front of the truck where one of his men was climbing into the driver's seat. What happened back here? Where's... That's uh, Buck Sully. He's dead. Dead? Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, that's too bad, but we haven't time to bother about him now. Get him over into the bushes. Two of you go back and get our truck out here. We'll load it fast as we can and get moving. Step on it. Ed Lowry and Clicker Binney had left the Chinese restaurant an hour after midnight. They had been driving at a steady pace about four hours when the car's headlights revealed off the road ahead a truck smashed against a tree. Lowry brought his car to a stop and played his spotlight on the wrecked vehicle. Say, that's one of the Valley drug trucks. You stay here, Clicker. Wait, you're not leaving me in the car. I'm coming with you. Lowry walked to the truck and climbed onto the driver's seat. There's no one here, but there's blood all over it. Clicker. Clicker Binney stood in the glare of the headlights, her eyes open wide in fascinated terror as she stared at a ditch a short distance away. Clicker, what are you looking at? What's the matter? Ed, there's a body over there in the ditch. See? Right there. Let's take a look. Hey, what? Oh, Ed. That's face. Take it easy, Clicker. It's a false face. Wow. Scared me. Wait till I remove it. There. Look at this man is dead. He's been shot. Ed, I've seen that man before. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Clicker, back at that restaurant tonight. He's the one who almost knocked you down. Yes, that's who it is. But what in the world? Ed, Ed, you hear that? Yeah, holy mackerel, it's someone groaning. Yeah, he's over here in the bushes. Clicker, get my flashlight from the car, eh? Clicker hurried to the car and returned to the underbrush. The flashlight revealed Lowry kneeling beside one of three men who lay on the ground wounded. Lowry and Clicker bandaged the wounded men. They drove them to a hospital in the nearest town and then notified the state police. Lowry remained to get the wounded men's stories. Clicker returned to the scene of the hijacking with state troopers and took pictures. When they returned to the city at noon that day, the Daily Sentinel was on the street with Lowry's story. The Selectory Army drug shipment hijacked million dollars off. Here, sir. Here you are, sir. Read all about it. Empty truck found police without clues. Here you are, sir. The Selectory 
That afternoon, Michael Axford was in Britt Reed's office when the dead hijacker was identified by fingerprints and Clicker Binney's photographs. Buck Grove and Sully Kilduff were partners, Reed. That means it was Sully Kilduff's gang that did the job. You'll see. But Sully Kilduff had an alibi and was released by the police. Ah, Reed, it's a pity. But maybe the cops will find out something in West Farmington. They say the tip about the shipment must have come from someone on the inside. And they're going to start questioning people on that end. But reports from West Farmington later that day added nothing to police knowledge. Lowry and Clicker Binney, talking to Reed in the city room, were still blaming themselves. Uh, if we'd only known who Buck Grove was when he bumped into Clicker, we might have followed him. Yeah, but I don't suppose we would have either. That's just second guessing. We'd have had reason to follow him if we knew a drug shipment was being made. And if we'd seen him with someone from the drug company. Say, Ed, I just thought... Suppose that fellow you waved at was Glenn Damon. And suppose he... But you'd better tell Mr. Reed. Lowry, recalling the incidents of the night before, told how he had greeted the man he thought was Glenn Damon. Reed was immediately concerned. Lowry, you should have mentioned this before. Well, it never occurred to me, boss. I thought last night that I was mistaken and, well, just let it go. Well, why did you think you were mistaken? Why couldn't the man you saw have been Damon? Well, he... Well, Damon wears glasses. The fellow we saw didn't. What's more, when I yelled to him, he paid no attention. Well, if he'd been meeting secretly with a crook like Grove, he wouldn't give himself away by acknowledging your greeting, in case the matter ever did come up in the future. Say, that's right. Anyway, I think it's something the investigators in West Farmington should know. If you don't object, I'll put a call through and tell them what you've told me. Oh, we don't object, Chief. You go ahead and do it. Maybe we have something. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Hi, fellas and girls. Have you noticed that current of excitement that's in the air these days? You can always sense it at this time of year. It's part of the holiday season. And at happy holiday gatherings with your relatives and friends, delicious sparkling orange crush fits in naturally. Because naturally, it tastes better. Better than any other orange drink. It's that natural fresh fruit flavor that makes the big difference. Orange Crush is flavored with the pure natural juice of fresh, tree-ripened Valencia oranges. So naturally, it tastes better. And it makes the good things you eat with it taste better, too. Tell Mom to stock up on Orange Crush for the happy occasions ahead. It'll go so well with a party menu she's probably planning now. And for hurry-up snacks when friends drop in, delicious Orange Crush is just the thing. It's simply great with holiday cookies, with fruitcake and nut breads, too. It's the world's favorite orange drink. And when you serve it to your friends, they'll appreciate your giving them the best. So be sure there's plenty of Orange Crush on hand for the holiday season. You can get it at your dealers in six-bottle handy packs. And always ask for Orange Crush by name. Don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. Because there's no other drink so good. No other orange drink in the world has that natural fresh fruit flavor. That's O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H, Orange Crush. Naturally, it tastes better. Now back to the Green Hornet. Investigators on the case in West Farmington immediately picked up Glenn Damon and questioned him at length. He also denied everything. He claimed he'd been at home all evening and had not been in the restaurant where it was said he was seen. 
He went willingly with authorities to the restaurant and faced the Chinese proprietor. The Chinese studied Damon, then said, Not sure me ever see him. But then it's hard for Chinese to tell. Why? Because to Chinese eyes, all white men look alike. Rick Reed was at home later that evening when a long-distance call advised him that Glenn Damon, for the time being at least, was in the clear. When Reed heard what the Chinese had said, he hung up with a wry smile. <laughs> well, that's a switch. Cato, Reed's valet and confidant, and the first person ever to know that Reed was the Green Hornet, had been told of all angles in the hijacking case. He received Reed's account of the phone call with interest. Look like police going to have hard time to find good clue in this matter. Yeah, the police are handicapped by working within the law. So Green Hornet do different way, huh? Yes. I planned earlier today to check on Sully Kilduff because he's so obviously a suspect. And because he has an alibi. I'd planned to visit him even before I received that phone call from Farmington. I uh, passed by Kilduff's apartment house on my way home and found out where his apartment's located. I think I have the layout figured. Shall we leave? The two men entered Reed's bedroom, changed into dark clothes, and took gas guns and masks. Let's go, Cato. Turn into this alley, Cato. Now, stop here. This spot is perfect. This is house where Mr. Kilduff lived? Yes, on the third floor... Right to the right of the fire escape, you see? Oh, oh, I see. That's the window where Kilduff should appear after I've done my act with him. You know what to do then. Yes, uh, I go away, but then come back and wait at the other end of the alley. That's right. Let's hope we'll have somewhere definite to go after that. I'll go now and let myself in through that delivery entrance. You have special key? Right here. Watch carefully now. I'll see you later. Sully Kilduff remained in his apartment after being questioned by police, aware they might be watching him, and anxious to receive word from Mark Luzerne concerning payment for the job Kilduff and his men had done. He was playing solitaire and puffing nervously at a cigarette when he heard a noise in his kitchen. He slammed the cards down, opened the table drawer, and removed a revolver. Then he rose from his chair and, gun in hand, went into the kitchen. Who's there? Is anybody in here? He used his free hand to press the light switch. As the light went on, he heard a movement behind him. He turned, but stopped as he felt the gun against his back. Freeze, Sully. Drop that gun behind you. You hear me? Uh, all right. There's my gun. Now keep your back to me and walk forward six paces. That's it. Now I'll get your gun. Okay, Sully, turn around. Now what is... For the green hornet. Yeah, I'm not going to be here long, Sully. Your goose is cooked one way or another. I just want to make sure I know where you are while I take over. What's this you're talking about? You'll take over what? You can't guess. Buck's death made a certain party nervous. Very nervous. He didn't figure on that. What are you talking about? Who didn't figure on what? He didn't figure that Buck Grove would get himself killed and give the cops a lead. You were a sucker to leave Buck's body where the cops could find it. They'll take you over in their own sweet time, Sully. As soon as he starts talking... Playing cat and mouse with him now, and he can't stand it much longer. They'll crack down hard in the morning. I don't know what it is you're talking about. But who is this guy? Who? <laughs> you know as well as I do. The weakest link in the chain. Good thing he told me before the police really make him talk. I'll have everything to myself before they act. 
cops like crooks shouldn't try to be clever. Uh, cut the double talk. What is it you're trying to tell me? I'm telling you that you're going to sleep for a while. I have things to do. I want to make sure you don't interfere. Now keep back. Don't use that gun. You sound like Damon. Uh, Damon! You... Oh, wait! Wait! Oh, here's some gas. <coughs> Sully Kildup fell to the floor, overcome by the Green Hornet's gas gun. The Green Hornet smiled. You'll come to in about ten minutes, Sully. I'm sure from your expression, Damon is in this. Here's hoping you took the cue. The Green Hornet turned, went into the next room, and walked to the window. He opened it wide. Then returned to the room and let himself into a closet. Minutes later, Sully Kilduff rose groggily to his feet. Then his memory returned. He hurried into the next room. He saw the open window and ran to it. He saw no one on the fire escape. But below in the alley, he saw a long black automobile beginning to move. The Hornet, just getting away. Maybe this time. Winchester Towers, give me penthouse A. Hello, Lucerne. Sully killed up. I know you told me never to call, but this is important. That stooge of yours, Damon. The cops are on him. He's ready to spill everything. I know because I know. I'll meet me at the warehouse in an hour, ready to move the stuff. You gotta, because if you don't, maybe it'll be gone. The Green Hornet's gone after it. Yeah, the Green Hornet Damon must have told him. He's maybe on his way to the warehouse now. I'm not sure. My boys are there and they'll take care of him if he does. But I'm worried about getting the clear on this. And if you want to be, meet me. One hour. Those commies. I shouldn't have got mixed up with them. Kilduff walked into the hallway, picked up his hat and coat, donned them, and hurried from his apartment. The Green Hornet emerged from the closet nearby and hurried to the telephone. He rang the private number of Police Commissioner Higgins, his friend, and one of the three persons in the city who knew Reed was the Green Hornet. Commissioner, this is the Green Hornet. Do you want to break the case of that stolen drug shipment? Well, then listen. Sully Kilduff called a man named Luzerne at the Winchester Tower. A short time later, at the far end of the alley behind Kilduff's apartment, the Green Hornet entered the Black Beauty, which had stopped there but a few minutes earlier. Let's get away from here, Cato, and go home. Home, Mr. Britton? You mean you're not learning anything? I've learned all I needed to know. I told it to Commissioner Higgins over the telephone. From now on, he'll handle the rest. Sully Kilduff had hurried to the warehouse where his gang was in hiding with a stolen shipment of antibiotics. He was surprised when his men told him the Green Hornet had not put in an appearance there. Yeah, that's funny. The way he talked, I thought he'd... Well, get ready for him. If he doesn't show, we'll be rid of the stuff anyway, and we'll get our dough from Luzerne. Cover the doors, boys. We're expecting company soon. Now, that's the signal I told Luzerne to give. Open the door. Yeah. Where is Killer? Ah, there you are. Come in, Lucerne. Your boys are with you, too, huh? Yes. Get inside quick, you guys. 
Kildoff, what is this you were trying to tell me on the telephone? Stuff I learned from the Green Hornet. He came to my place just before I called. Detectives had followed Luzerne from the Winchester Towers. They had advised police headquarters when Luzerne met a gang of men who waited in a truck. Now the detectives watched the warehouse door close. And I always thought that place was deserted. Well, it sure is deserted now. Get on the radio, Tom. Tell the boys at headquarters to send us everything they have. Michael Axford, who had been on late duty at police headquarters, was in one of the squad cars that stopped near the warehouse five minutes later. When the police started to bang on the doors of the warehouse, Sully Kilduff and his men went for their guns. It's the Green Hornet, boys. He must have a gang with him. Get ready to give him the works. Open up! Police! Open up in there! Police! Sully, it's the police! Machine guns! They're shooting in the door with machine guns! I was a fool to come here. Comrades, we are trapped. Start shooting, boys. Don't let them in. Watch out. Police swarmed through the doors. The crook's gunfire was ineffectual against the rain of fire that poured from the police Tommy guns. Sully killed up was among the first to fall, painfully wounded. Shut! Boys, hold it. Now kill us all. Give up. Hold your fire. We give up. Comrades, throw your guns down. We give up. Round up these fellows. Put cuffs on them. Then check those crates back there. All right, you. Hold out your hands. You're under arrest. Axford was in Britt Reed's office next morning, regaling Reed, Lowry, and Clicker Binney with his account of the raid. And sure enough, the crates were those stolen from that truck. Filled with penicillin and other stuff they wore. The shipment's already in a plane headed for Korea. I took pictures of it this morning. They arrested Glenn Damon in West Farmington. He's spouting words like old faithful spouts water. Yes, I know. The wire service has sent in his confession. He was a red sympathizer working for Mark Luzerne. He worked his way into Valley Drug Company just to get information about shipments like the one that was stolen. But recovered, I'm happy to say. Chief, you had that Damon pegged right. He did meet with Buck Grove that night we were at the restaurant. It was he I yelled at. But what's this about the Green Hornet being responsible for those fellas being together where they were caught? I'm the one who knows about that. You you do, Axton? Sure I do. I was in Commissioner Higgins' office when that villain called and squealed on his partners. You think the Green Hornet was a partner of Luzerne and Kilda? Certainly. He gets to be a partner of every crook. Then he turns on them and gets them caught by the police while he goes on doing the things he does. Huh. He's some double-crosser, that green harlot. Isn't he, Reed? Uh, what's that? Ah, never mind. There's no sense talking to you. You weren't even in on that finale last night. What would you know about the green harlot? Hornet's story for today. Another exciting story brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, the drink that's actually good for you because it's made with real oranges, the one and only Orange Crush. 
It sparkles, it tingles, it makes you feel fresh again. Always keep several bottles in your refrigerator. And always remember, the handy way to do that is to get the handy pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. This program is a feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. Created by George W. Trendle. Produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated. Directed by Charles D. Livingston. And edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Green Hornet is played by Jack McCarthy. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit, and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. The Green Hornet is brought to you every Wednesday and Friday at the same time by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. That's the drink you like best of all. Try it. Next time, ask for Orange Crush. But remember, don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Next Wednesday, listen to the Green Hornet again in the exciting story of danger entitled Gas House Ending. And now till Wednesday, this is Fred Foy saying so long from Orange Crush. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.